This is Sports Jam. I'm Doug Doyle. There are only five New Jersey Devils players who have their numbers retired and hanging from the rafters at Prudential Center in Newark. That list includes goalie Martin Brodeur, defenseman Scott Stevens and Scott Niedermeyer, left winger Patrick Eliash, and my guest on this edition of Sports Jam, number three, Mr. Devil, former Devils defenseman, three-time Stanley Cup champion, and current Devils and MSG Networks broadcaster, Ken Danico. Ken, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Doug, and uh, all those guys you named. uh, Obviously, a special bond with them and my favorites, all uh, Hall of Fame players, and just uh, honored to be up there with them in the Raptors. But more importantly, we won some cups along the way. (laughs) Oh, you certainly did, Ken. And, you know, when you think about that, you, you work for the Devils. You've been a part of this organization for so long. So tonight, the Devils take on the Blackhawks opening up the season, and you look up there, and there's number three hanging from the rafters. That has to be (laughs) such a special feeling that you're reminded constantly of this 20-year career, three Stanley Cups, and people love Ken Danica. Well, it's uh, been a great relationship uh, with the Devils organization and and the fans of New Jersey. I'm kind of that mentality of a blue collar guy in the trenches. I think the state can relate to that. And uh, I've tried to uh, be there with the fans uh, every move because they are part of our team, part of our family. We, we don't win without them, certainly in our glory years there. And it's humbling, obviously, to have my number up with the, the four guys you mentioned all, uh, like I said, Hall of Fame guys, hopefully Patrick Kelly Hush soon. But anyway, the other three, Brodeur, Stevens, and Niedemeyer, and it just goes to show you loyalty, hard work, and, and a little bit of heart. Uh, uh, you can have those types of accolades, too, because my skill sets weren't to what those other guys are. But And, and I say that uh, humbly, but I I understand what I was, and I was just trying to be part of, part of a team and, and help them win. And uh, it went pretty well, and not bad for a guy that didn't know where New Jersey was when he was drafted here in 1982. I'd been with the organization, Doug. I think this year is 40 years now in some capacity, and I wouldn't want it other way. I am so grateful. Uh, they are my family, and uh, we get it going tonight, Friday. I'm pretty pumped because I am I use the term cautiously optimistic. I really like this young group of guys. I like the additions Tom Fitzgerald made to insulate them with veteran guys on defense, in particular Dougie Hamilton, Ryan Graves, and Bernier and that. So, I, I know we're going to have a fast, exciting uh, type team, uh, high-paced, high-energy. And now I hope uh, some of these um, young kids uh, turn this in the results into wins a little more often this year. I think they can. And before we talk about the, the actual team and the broadcast coming up tonight, I wanted to talk about the move to Newark. Now, you played you know, at Brendan Byrne Arena in the Meadowlands when you were playing. The move to Newark happened a long time ago. I happened to be working for a WBGO now for 23 years. So I know when the, when the, you know, the actual transition took place, has Newark been great for the devils? You know, at the arena for me, the atmosphere is second to none. I mean, I I always use the analogy, uh, even if you're not a diehard hockey fan or devils fan, and, and most of the fans in the building are, but you can go and have fun at the game. The, the, you know, the um, everybody that works in the arena from the janitors to the uh, ushers to the security, they are so friendly and, and so engaging. And, and I think that makes 
the experience awesome uh the amenities are second and none. look i i know i have fond memories of brendan Byrne because we won stanley cup championships there but i would have loved to play in a beautiful luxurious facility like prudential center in newark and and, and i love our our ownership uh, harris Blitzer sports entertainment as far as really giving back to the community and and really trying to build Newark up and support the businesses and because it's a great, great city and we're, we're part of it and uh, certainly proud to be part of it. And I, I love the move. Believe me, I would have loved to play at Prudential Center as well. I would have played till 60 if I could. Doug. <laughs> I, I mean, that's so much fun you have, but uh, father time catches up to us all, but uh, I support these, this young group. I just want to see their success. Yeah. I've got a, uh, analyze the games and I've got to call them out when they're not uh, doing their job, obviously, but uh, deep down, I'm one of those guys that just, I, I've had success. I was fortunate enough to play with great teams and teammates. And I want to see these guys get there. It's not easy to win. <laughs> it's certainly not easy to win. And you have been such a part of not only your playing career, as you mentioned, 40 years now with the devils, but there's something special about hockey players in general you know, Travis Ajak just retired and came back, uh, you know, for one day to retire as a devil. And I remember uh, covering him at various hospital visits and things. Devils are out there in the community. What is it about hockey players? They, you know, we hear a lot about all athletes, you know, that they, they contribute. But hockey players are special, especially when it comes to giving back. We always see these great stories about how they help young kids, inspire people, people of all colors, people of all you know, races. What is it about the hockey player in your estimation? Well, I just think a lot of them have had humble beginnings and are just grateful to have the opportunity to do what they love and, and be a National Hockey League player. I know as a young kid, since seven years old, I, I told my late mother, God rest her soul, every day, probably 10 times a day, I'm going to play in the National Hockey League. And when that dream became a reality and I think I speak for for most uh, hockey players that get that opportunity to play in the National Hockey League we're grateful we're uh, respectful and and we know we've got to give back to the community that, uh, that whether it's New Jersey obviously for me and Travis Ajax and Aliashes of the world but uh, every team in the National Hockey League so many of these players and and today as well give back and and it's sincere they they appreciate going to the hospital they appreciate the fans they appreciate uh, what's been given to them because of uh, our great game. And we want to continue to grow our game of hockey. And I, and I think being part of the community, giving back, whether it's charitable, whether it's just saying hello, whether it's taking a picture with a fan, I never take that for granted. I don't think hockey players do. And I, I think that's why we have such a great tight knit uh, community uh, as far as the national hockey league and players in general past and, and present uh, certainly they, they are, are sincere and they, these are guys with, with personalities. And we're starting to bring that out and see that from the players. And, and a lot of them do it without any fanfare. Then you hear about it a year later that what they're doing for their, uh, for their respective cities or communities, like I had mentioned. So it, it's great to see. I think it's a big part of it. And like, like I had mentioned with me, just speaking personally, to be part of New Jersey. I'm a transplanted Jersey and it may sound corny. I, I repeat it. I'm proud of it. I, I've been here a lot longer than where I grew up in, in Canada. The state has been so good to me. Uh, the fans have been so good to me that, uh, you know, I, I respect all of it and, and, and would never turn anybody down, whether it's a picture. Sometimes I used to be at the arena 
or outside or at a restaurant and go, oh, that person's probably got my picture 50 times or autographed 20 times. But now I think that if I'm making their day or putting a little smile on their face for that moment, because they're going through something tough, I think you, you have to think like that. I think you reflect now when you get a little older and a little more sentimental that, you know what, uh, it's all worth it, regardless if they've had it a bunch of times. And, and I think I've I've met everybody in New Jersey pretty well, or at least 75% of the state. Uh, but I love it. I, I'm out there in the community. And, but I, I, like I said, uh, it, it means something to me to make sure that uh, you can put a smile on their face any which way, and whether it's through social media. Uh, uh, and what made that uh, evident in my mind was, you know, and so now that we have social media and we know everything that everybody's doing, including ourselves, I've had fans text me back. I was going through a real tough day. I, I was... You know, I've got this troubles in my life with this going on or that going on, not to get too deep, but in saying you taking that picture with me made my day. You know how warm that makes you feel and, and grateful that uh, you're able to do that. You have the capacity to do that. I always say I, uh, my greatest joys were hoisting that Stanley Cup. There's no better high. But if I'm not a player, uh, it gets pretty close as far as uh, a high giving back and, and, and making somebody else feel good. The championship to New Jersey. The Devils win the Stanley Cup. That trek that people make from Newark Penn Station to the arena is, you know, is always fun to see. You, you see the the stream of uh, the red, black, and, and white colors coming into the to the arena this year. New optimism, as you talked about, because these younger players are really starting to come into their own. Uh, the division is still tough. We know the Islanders and Rangers <laughs> continue to improve, right? You still have teams that are somewhat at the top, but eventually I see that Penguins and maybe, you no, know, the Capitals looked pretty good the other night, but the Penguins <laughs> and Capitals starting to slow down a little bit as Ovechkin and Crosby get older. Is it the time this year, Ken, for the Devils to make their stride for a playoff run? Well, first off, like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic, but I think the young players have to believe that you will always do. The hockey world thinks they're still a couple of years away, possibly of being a playoff team consistently and, and having sustained the success as far as these young guys coming together because they're growing up together. Very similar to what uh, I had uh, back in my day when we didn't start very well. We weren't a very good team early on in my career, but uh, I was grateful to still be around when we just kind of all came together and it kind of clicked. And that started in 1988 when we made the playoffs for the first time. So these guys have to learn to win and, and feel that success. But this is the first time I've seen in the last uh, quite some time where the, the cupboards before were very bare with young prospects, young, real good, solid NHL talent. Well, now we've got guys that got sent down and I'll mention Alexander Holtz, who will be here sooner than later, the seventh overall pick from a season ago had, a great training camp, in fact, led the team in points. In the past, we had to rush guys. Well, he went down to nurture a little bit in the minors. Some fans are up in arms about it. I said, just be patient. That, that's because we have more depth in our organization, and, and it's okay for him to go down to, to Utica, our Utica Comets, our AHL affiliate, uh, to just get uh, acclimated to the pro game, even though he had a really good preseason. But that's a good thing when – you have tough decisions, and I think we have those tough decisions. Now, I think Tom Fitzgerald's done a tremendous job, our general manager, as far as he knew the time was right in the summer, and ownership allowed him 
to add the high-priced free agent, the prize of the summer, and Dougie Hamilton, a legitimate, bona fide number one defenseman, to help these young guys grow and show these young guys that, yeah, we believe in you now. You know, it took time. Everybody's saying, I remember over the years, how come we're not signing any free agents? Well, the time wasn't right. And you're building an organization to have sustainable success. And that's from experience playing all those years and seeing what the great Lou Lamorello did with our organization. But Tom Fitzgerald, you know, in the offseason, decided now is the time to show these this young group, the Jack Hughes, the Nico Hughes, Sharon Govich, Pratt, Zaka. Even though they didn't win a lot of games last year, they showed great promise and they showed that they belong. They showed they can have some consistency. But I think there's a different feeling this year. They feel that, no, now we got to start winning games. Now we're going to get the results, not just about statistics that we're starting to score a little more or play a little better. I think it's there. I think it's on the horizon. Yes, they are in a tough division. Yes, you hope maybe Pittsburgh and Washington uh, are getting a little long in the tooth and dip a little bit because the Rangers are improving. The Islanders are going to be right on top along with the Carolina Hurricanes. But why not? You got to think that way. Why not us? And in particular, the young guys. I always believed, even if we were – a young team when I was in my 20s, I'm like, no, we're making the playoffs this year. It doesn't always materialize, but you got to say it with your mouth and, and connect it to your heart. And I think these young guys have a little different feeling that they feel they're ready at least to be in it all season long and battling for a playoff spot. You mentioned Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Nico is the captain of the, the Devils. Definitely a different type captain than your captain in your playing days. Scott Stevens would break you up as soon as you come over <laughs> the blue line as well as you. But it seems like teams, they go with these young superstars as their captains now at a much younger age. Has that been effective, you think? Do they relate better well, to the players? Well, I'll, I'll say this as far as our organization, the New Jersey Devils, and knowing Nico Heischer for you know, the last three years as he came into the National Hockey League, he's mature beyond his years. He's a quiet kid, but he's going to grow into that captaincy. But he is just such a complete player that everybody respects, meaning complete that he, he is responsible in all three zones. That's important. You know, all this terminology we use. He's a guy that, uh, you know, takes wins and losses hard. And that resonates throughout your throughout your locker room. So. The Devils felt that even though he's young, he will grow into it and he's going to mature as well. But he's the guy to lead this team. And I couldn't agree more because he, he's just a guy that you know comes to the rink, works his tail off, plays the game the right way. Now, last year was a tough year. He was banged up. He had COVID like a lot of the players. It was kind of in through these unprecedented times. You know, it's kind of a mulligan for him. He has to produce offensively this year. I think he will. But he's a guy that even if he's not – producing in a five-game stretch like every player at times, even the good, talented offensive players. He does other things to help the team win, and that is a big reason why he got the captaincy, and that's the way he shows his leadership, just the, his preparation, what he does coming to the ring. Scott Stevens wasn't overly boisterous. He did his talking on the ice. You're absolutely right, but when it was time to say something, he stepped up, and he was a ferocious man, but a lot quieter off the ice than you would think for the way he played on the ice. But, uh, yes, I think this is kind of the – New age, uh, the game has evolved, and these young guys uh, have to take ownership of their team and leadership, and I think Nico Heischer is that right guy. But he's got a lot of support. These other guys are starting to come and be leaders. Miles Wood and Pavel Zaka, and even Jack Hughes. He's a very confident kid, believes in himself. That's leadership in itself when players see that. It resonates for sure. 
I can't wait to see what he does this year. That kid has a boatload of ability. He thinks the game so well, and he thinks he's going to go to the next level. He tells you about it, and I love that. Some people say, oh, go out and just do it on this. No, I, I love it. He doesn't get frustrated. He knows the team's been young. He knows they've gone through their struggles in his first couple of seasons, but he's ready to be that guy. He wants wants to, wants the ball, as you say, in football analogy, and wants to be that guy, and you need players like that. So they're going to be led by Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, and, and the rest of the guys here. Ken Danico, the great number three, Mr. Devils, our guest here on Sports Jam. This season, MSG Networks has exclusive NHL coverage of more than 200 Devils, Rangers, and Islanders games. Of course, Ken wants you to watch the Devils more than the other teams, including (laughs) uh, 72 regular season Devils games. If you want to check out your local listings, you can ensure that your provider is carrying those MSG Network games. You can catch Mr. Devil. Ken Danico tonight with Steve Cangelosi. That's at 6.30, the pregame show on MSG+. Plus. Of course, we talked about 7 o'clock will be the face-off tonight against the Chicago mm. Blackhawks. I know I'm Mark- like a little kid right now, Doug, because <laughs> I wish I could jump on the ice again. I keep forgetting. I, I think like a 25-year-old, the body acts like I'm 57 years old. But I, I'm really, like I said, the anticipation for the season is exciting for a lot of the fans, for me as well, and I hope the players uh, just uh, – Bring it, bring their all, and it starts tonight. And we get back to some normalcy, get to see the fans. We're going to feel the atmosphere. I'll be engaging with them all night. One of the great players of the past decade, it's Patrice Bergeron in on Blackwood. Bergeron, Deeks, Sandy. Oh, baby, what a great comeback by the Devils. If you're not at the game, MSG Plus tonight starts with Erica Wachter and Bryce Salvador. They do such a tremendous job in the pregame and in between periods, and Bryce as well, along with me and Stan Cook. Steve Cangelosi, who had the call at seven, go to MSG Plus, and yes, uh, I hope your carrier has it, but uh, uh, we can't wait, and MSG does such a great job uh, with the production, so I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up about this team. You mentioned Bryce Salvador. What a tremendous human being he is too i've worked with him at uh, the right on sports camps Mm. Uh, he just reacts uh, to the kids so well and just another example of a captain of the devil's team who really took his role seriously and and it's just a a tremendous individual as well as a great player that he was throughout his nhl career what's your relationship with coach there's been a number of changes through the years devil's coaching uh what's your relationship with coach right now with lindy ralph yeah yeah, well, we played against each other. We battled one time when he was a Buffalo Sabre. He was getting a little older. I was a young buck trying to make a name for myself, and we laugh about that. But uh, I just really like Lindy. I mean, uh, he's a guy that he's all business. He, he's a hockey guy. He's been in the game a long time, and he can really uh, lend his knowledge to these these young guys because he's been there. He's been through it all. He's had success, went to a Stanley Cup final with the Buffalo Sabres, any coach that can coach one team for 15 consecutive years, he had some success in Dallas as well. But that's not easy to do. It's a, you know, what have you done for me lately? It's coaches a, a short shelf life, as they like to say. But uh, I think Tom Fitzgerald brought him in last year from the standpoint that these young guys need nurturing. He's a communicator. And uh, I, I really enjoy being around him. And now we get to be around him a little bit more because we're going back on the road. Me and Kanji anyway as far as covering the games on the road. And so I'll get to engage a little bit more, but the few times I was able to last year in the arena when he was walking in and 
a lot of the year we didn't have fans a little bit at the end, which was nice to see. But uh, I, I can just tell he, he is really he was really excited about the opportunity last year. And now he's starting to see what he has. He's starting to go, man, this team's pretty talented. It's young, but I've got to be that guy that, that kind of brings it all together and, and shows them the way. And I think he's the right guy. And I'm looking forward to having a lot more conversations this season with them. But uh, I have the same mentality as far as uh, we just want to see these guys succeed. And I think that's where Lindy is at in, in at this stage of his career. Yeah, he's coaching the National Hockey. Yeah, he's been doing it a long time. And, and it's important to win for him because obviously uh, that's what uh, you're – judged by your results, wins and losses. But for him, I just feel it's really, he's real passionate about showing these young guys how to win and what it's going to take. And I think that means a lot to him. That is the best coach uh, for a young group, I believe. Yeah, Lindy Ruff, looking forward to see how he molds these players this year for sure. this on the way to the net Kenny Danico can love it he's gonna love it anyway Kenny Danico is not a goal scorer and he is a beloved teammate as you saw the New Jersey Devil players react as if all of them had scored it Kenny Danico gives the Devils the lead let's talk about Windsor Ontario and then Edmonton Alberta growing up you said you always wanted to be in in uh, NHL player when did you know that was going to really be the case? What age were you when you said, you know, I'm kind of elite at this, yeah. this game? Yeah, well, like I said, my mother used to pacify me from about 7 to 12 when I told her every single day. She didn't know if I was being realistic. And uh, I've told the story many, many times, but it was so uh, heartfelt. Uh, that's what I wanted to do, obviously, in Canada growing up. If you didn't play hockey, you didn't have much else to do. So it's our passion. It's our pastime but uh I probably knew around you know in my mind I mean I always believed it and, and I think for any young kid out there whatever you're doing it doesn't just have to be sports believe in yourself I know that's thrown around a lot that uh, cliche but it means something no matter what anybody's saying or the detractors around you you got to believe in yourself and believe you can achieve anything if you put your mind to it and you work hard enough and you prepare and that's kind of what I did with the game of hockey, but I thought maybe 14, 15, you know, I was pretty good in my area. Although I tell everybody there was 10 Ken Danicos on every corner uh, where I grew up uh, as a minor hockey player. And there really was, there was so much talent because a lot of kids played hockey and uh, I had to make sure I worked harder, prepared harder, wanted it more. And that's the difference of why I, a small percentage make it and why I believe I got the, yeah, I had some ability, obviously a little bit at the time and, was physical the way the game was played. And that was all part of it, getting my foot in the door. But I left home at 15 years old, went right from Bantam. Uh, I was owned by a junior team. I mean, they just picked you off a list, obviously, or, or at the time, it wasn't a draft sort of thing. It was like the WHL, the number one junior league in the Western, in Western Canada and the States uh, picked me. It was the Great Falls Americans at the time. They didn't last long. But they had asked me, I thought I was going to be playing midget hockey at home right after Bantam. That's the steps you take. And they'd said, Ken, we think you're ready to go right from Bantam to tier two junior hockey in Saskatchewan. 
So I had a decision to make in two days to go to Saskatchewan. My mother said, over my dead body, you're leaving home at 15. And my father, an old, uh, born and raised in Germany, that's his first language. He, uh, old school mentality, didn't say a whole lot, just supported me and believed in me. Uh, but he said, son, what do you want to do? And, uh, you know, this is a big step. And are you ready to leave home? I said, dad, I, I've got to do it. Uh, I've said, I'm going to play in the national hockey league. This is the next step. And that's when I started to believe when, when the tier one great Falls Americans at the time said, Kenny, you're ready to make a big leap here from Bantam to tier two junior. I was one of two 15 year olds in the league. So I was going to be competing against 17, 18, 19 year olds at the time. And, and that's when I, I really ramped it up as far as thinking, maybe I got a shot here. Maybe I really can play in the National Hockey League and fulfill that dream. I know when you watch Stanley Cup presentations and banner raisings like the Lightning just uh, celebrating their second consecutive cup the other night in Tampa, when you think of the tasting of that cup three times for you, some players, great players, never get to do that. What's the one moment that, you see a banner raised or a cup celebration that immediately pops into the mind of Ken Danica. Uh, just the hard work and, and my teammates pop into my mind, the group you went to battle with the blood, the sweat, the tears, the teeth. I like to say that you sacrifice because again, I, when you're in it, I don't know in every team, there's so many good teams with talent, a lot of great players. And some of the cups won, we were the best team. Uh, maybe not on paper, but we had character, heart. We knew, found ways to win, and we knew what it took. You don't really know that at times as a player. You're just so consumed with your with your play and what you're doing, trying to help the team win. It's five, ten years down the road, and I'll get asked the question, you know, why did you guys win? You know, and I go, you know, that's a great question. It sounds simple, but just my teammates, the guys I was around, I mean, just the character and not just the skill. Yeah, you need skill. Yeah, you need a great goaltender. And we had that maybe the best of all time in Marty Broder. And we were built on defense and the Stevens and, and the great Scott Niedemeyer. I can go on down the list. But it was just a group of guys that you, you, you just lay it all on the line and you come together as a team and you accomplish your ultimate goal. You know, a lot of us as young hockey players, and I know me in particular, when I was 10 years old playing street hockey, I, that was the next dream. Win a Stanley Cup. I'd carry a silver garbage can over my head, pretending it was the Stanley Cup as a 10-year-old boy. And to come to New Jersey when we weren't a very good team in the early 80s, in fact, how could anybody believe we were ever going to win a Stanley Cup? And I didn't know I'd still be with the team because you usually get traded by the time you become good and you hope you become good as an organization. And I'm just so grateful I got to stick it out. They stuck with me. That's why I love the New Jersey Devils and the team and every ownership that has supported me here, whether I'm playing or not now, as far as being in the community or part of the broadcast. But uh, that's what you think of. And you just know how hard it is and what it takes. And, and even when I talk to some of the young players today, I mean, whether I'm on the plane with them, whether I'm just walking on the street, on the road, you know, I, I just try to give that little bit. You can't, there's no magic formula or potion, but, if you don't have the will to win, if you're not willing to do whatever it takes, if you're not going to play together as a team, don't care how skilled you are, how talented you are, you can't win. And that's what I think of because of my great teammates that I play with. I was so fortunate to cross paths. We, I might not see a teammate for 10 years that I want to cup with or two with, but then when we get together, we've had some, some um, anniversaries, 20 year anniversaries, had one just before COVID on the 20th anniversary of the 2000 cup team. And 
when you get into a room with these guys and you even haven't seen them 10, 15 years, it's like you never left. It was like it was yesterday because that bond is always going to be there because you're champions together. And, and that's what it means to me. Like I said, as a player, I'm like, I couldn't have answered that question because I'm just playing my butt off and trying to be part of the solution and trying to be part of a team and trying to help us win. But you realize what it takes afterwards. And if I can lend a minuscule or that much of knowledge to some of these young guys to say, okay, now you guys got a little bit of talent. It might take a little more time. We have to have a little more patience, but now it's about understanding what it takes to win a nightly basis because the competitive balance in this league is so close that every night there's going to be a lot of one goal games. And you've got to figure out how to win those one goal games like the teams that I was part of because we knew what it took, but we went through our process. It was a, a long grind. Well, Pat Burns made one change in the New Jersey lineup, and that was on defense. Danico's in for Tevardovsky. This will be Danico's 13th playoff game and his first one in this year's finals. A popular move among the fans, getting Danico back in the lineup. It's interesting that, you know, you talk about the, the teammates. I don't think people really realize the role players that win on these cup championship teams because yeah, you have your superstars and for you, you mentioned the superstars and you did have an unbelievable goaltender who could make up for any type of mistake that might happen on the ice. And he had your back as well as every other defenseman for the devils, but these role players, you really have to have the right chemistry. Do you feel that as the season goes, or is it just develop in the playoffs? Well, I will say this, and obviously it's no coincidence that Lou Lamorello is the boss for the New York Eyes. You mentioned they struggled down the stretch. But there's certain veteran teams, and you talk about feeling it. Do you feel that that can turn the switch on come playoff time? They were waiting for the playoffs. Yeah, you got to get there, and that's not easy in itself because it's a long grind, uh, the regular season. But I know some of the teams, and I speak for that I was on in, in the – you mentioned the great team. It's, yeah, you need your star players. You need your core group of high-end players. And we had plenty of them, certainly on the back end and in goal, which we were built on with Stevens, Niedemeyer, and, and Broder. But we had great forwards. But you can't win without role players. You're absolutely right in character. Ask the Tampa Bay Lightning. Three years ago, they were the President's Trophy winners. And I think they had uh, the highest point total in decades as far as a regular season. They got swept by Columbus in the first round. But their GM wasn't stubborn, saying it was just an anomaly. We're going to stick with the same team. we got a great team. He added Barkley Goudreau. He added Blake Coleman from the Devils. Uh, he he know, knew he added a couple of role guys in defense that weren't even in every night, but they were a key part to the team because it's a grind for grueling rounds, and that was Luke Shen and Zach Bogosian. Those guys meant something to kind of – the glue guys to kind of help these star guys when they get shut down that they can win some tight games uh, two to one. you got to be able to win anyway in the class. And the teams that I was on, you feel it, no question. It's like when you're going on the ice, even if you don't have your best, you're like when you're in that groove, when you have a character group of guys, when you have everybody pulling that rope the right way, as we like to say, we felt we every night we went on the ice, we were going to win. Like, especially in 2000, uh, I, I remember that year in particular, because that was our best team, I would say, as far as talent-wise, as far as just a, uh, an incredible team, four lines deep, six great defensemen to match any era, any team of any decade in my estimation. And yes, the great Marty Broder and net, which you have to have, that's half the battle and goal. When you make a mistake, you, he's the last line of defense. But 
we felt like as soon as we got an ace, even if we were 50% of our game, now we always tried to play 100%. Some nights you're not going to feel your best, but we could win games like that. That's what great teams do. And now another example I use, 1994, that epic series against the Rangers. How devastating was that? Everybody thinks that was part of our process. We didn't put the nail in the coffin in game six, up to nothing. They had a veteran-laden team. They had the greatest leader in sports, Mark Messier, that were able to take over the second half of the game. And I, I, I take it upon us as far as we froze a little bit. We were on our heels. That's, what, that's the meaning of learning how to close it out, learning how to win. Well, the following year, and that was one of the greatest playoff series of all time. I was proud to be part of it, even though we lost. We would have won the Cup that year too, I believe. But the Rangers, it was their time. Following year, we kind of a half season, or, or uh, you know, because there was a lockout, we kind of struggled through the season, did enough to get in the playoffs. Think we we're the fifth seed. Everybody wrote us off, it was like they forgot about us because we didn't have a great regular season. We, they forgot that the year before we were second in the National Hockey League of points and that we were one double overtime away in a game seven going to the finals. We were so confident. We just we were the team that could turn the switch on. We were just waiting for the playoffs because we got so close. We are like, okay, now this is our time. We're prepared to understand how to close out games when you're up to nothing, how to take nothing for granted. That was learning to win. And I knew 95 was going to be a special year. We, we had that confidence. We believe we're stepping on the ice. We were going to be a tough team to beat. We were going to be a tough out. And especially when we went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 95, I believe, if not, I'm not mistaken, we were about a two-and-a-half-to-one underdog against the Red Wings. And rightfully so, they had this – uh, unbelievable regular season, President's Trophy winners, star players, but we were quietly confident. We weren't reading the press clippings. We're going, how are they seeing the discrepancy that large? I'm saying, did you forget how good we were last year? <laughs> Pretty well with the same group of guys. So that was a good thing for us. And maybe Detroit took us for granted a little bit, but then we ended up going on a sweep. I didn't expect that, but I just knew going in there. Our guys were ready. It was our time. We were ready. We learned the year before as we came so close. Isn't it fun to hear the passion of Ken Danico so many years after he won those three <laughs> cups, but he's still part I get of the goosebumps talking about it. <laughs> I know you do. And I still enjoy this day. I enjoy all your analysis that you've done on NHL network and, and for MSG networks. But you know, one of the things that I heard Ken Danico say that I was so impressed with had nothing to do with hockey. It had to do with your children and supporting them, whether it be choosing the arts, singing. Mm. You, you've allowed them to, to be their own person. Just like your dad said, what do you want to do, son? Is that where that whole love started? Do you, you know, was that that special bond that you have with your children? Talk about that. Well, yeah, I, I probably told it a few times and not, not that often, but one thing, and I, I try to relay this message to parents that, uh, you know, maybe push their kid into sports or, or grind them and think they've got to play one sport to 12 months a year and five hours a day, because if that's their dream as well for their son, if he's got some talent in any kind of sports and, and you kind of push a little hard. And sometimes when, when you do that, I'm a believer. I mean, I played every sport. My dad never, you know, pushed me, never, um, you know, criticized me as far as my play. He'd ask me every once in a while, and he didn't know a ton about hockey when he got to Canada. He learned to love it because he was more of a soccer guy coming from Europe as a 22-year-old. But he'd always get me in the car and go, Dad, or he'd go, son, how'd you, how'd you think you played today? I said, not very good today, Dad. I, I struggled. He goes, don't worry. 
He says, next time uh, you'll be more prepared. Just get him, get him next time and, and, and be better. That's it. Like he supported me. And I loved that. And so I tried to translate that to my kids, to my kids from the standpoint, um, my son wasn't a real athletic kid. My daughter, who's 26 now, my son's 22, was, was me personified. She was intense and it, it kind of ironic that your daughter, she played hockey. She was that, you know, bull in a china shop mentality. Now she's a beautiful young lady, but, but I loved it. But my son, I had a special bond with him because he was different than me. He broadened my horizons. He'd been doing uh, shows and singing since six years old. In fact, uh, his mom and my, myself used to constantly say, Shane, please be quiet. You've got some ability. Well, not that we knew a whole lot about singing, but it was like me shooting pucks against the garage. My dad would say, you got to stop now, son. It's dinner time. Or you know, the neighbors are complaining about all these pucks fired against the garage door. Kind of like my son. He just wouldn't stop singing. He he wanted to do plays. He wanted to be, you know, he was more cultural. He was uh, just that type of kid that I loved because that wasn't me. And I, I kind of respected it. And even his mother thanked me about two years ago because his mom goes, you're a National Hockey League player. Teach him to skate. Get him on the ice. We put him on the ice. I see he didn't have the passion. It didn't matter to me. He played some sports growing up. But there was pressure on him, believe me, because from eight years old on, I'll never forget, Every time he'd walk into the arena with me or be around the concourse, because he liked to socialize with all the security guards and and uh, uh, the people that uh, take care of the fans at the arena and everybody else, the wonderful people we have at Prudential. And he'd always say, Dad, tell them I play. Because everybody, the first question was, do you play hockey like your dad? Because, you know, he, he was uncomfortable. He wasn't confident. Yeah. And I, I a, would lot take of around, a lot of pressure for a kid. A lot of pressure. I'd take him around the corner and say, Shane, you know, dad doesn't give a damn if you play hockey because you got your own, uh, your own path and you have your own passion. I always believed in that. That's something I did. And I, I guess not everybody, you know, a lot of fathers or parents are like that, but a lot aren't. And and so I, I'm just a believer in it. I, I'm not saying it's the almighty way, but I told him that and he appreciated it, but every year. So when he turned 12 years old, and I don't mean to ramble, but I think it's a good story for for other parents, he, he, he it happened again. We we're at Prudential Center. Fans come around. He play hockey like he did. Like I used to say, he plays a little, you know, because I respect what he wanted me to do. He, he said to the fans, "No, I don't play hockey." He says, I, "I'm an actor and singer. That's what I do." And he'd been doing a lot of plays and he'd been making strides and having success. And in fact, he's a senior at Berkeley College of Music in Boston this year, where is it audition based in one of the toughest schools for that industry, the arts, to get in. And he is doing wonderful. And it's just so for him and I, a night out when he was in a was a teen or a teenager was going to uh, to a Broadway play, uh, watching a musical. And like I said, that's where he broadened my horizons. And we're very close and we have different interests. I love that he's a young kid that uh, takes action. He educates himself for all the causes that you're talking about that we we all try and support and, 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 you know, change things a little bit as far as whatever it may be, you know, all, all the things going on today in our society. But my son, he educates me on that. And I'm like, this is great. Like he, he's, he gets it. And he's one of those kids that uh, wants to make a difference in the world, but he has incredible ability. He's a singer. He sang the national anthem in front of 17,000 fans against the New York Rangers when he was 17 years old, great experience for him. MSG covered it. I was more nervous than a game seven. And he was like, so confident because this is what he does. This is what he, he believes in himself. And I know it's again, 
The singing to become a recording star is not easy, just like it wasn't easy to be a pro athlete. I'll never burst this bubble, but I just tell him, Shane, just have a fallback plan. And if you get a degree from Berkeley, you're probably going to get a job somewhere in that industry. That's all that matters. But don't burst your dream up. That's what you want to be a recording star. That's what you try and do. And he's a very talented, um, deep soul type of kid. So I love that. And I uh, love my daughter. Obviously, like I said, she's she's a little more in me. So we we can relate as far as the intensity. But my son's really helped me along the way as far as that. And I follow his dream. And, and, and I'm saying his mother thanked me two years ago. Says, you know what? You were right back then. You, I, I wanted you to push him a little more. She was wanting me to push him more in the hockey, in the sports, whatever it may be. And I said, I can tell if, if I just had it. If you have that passion and desire to do it. You force a kid and you kind of, uh, they'll turn your back, turn their back on a little bit more and it puts more pressure on them. That's just my opinion. See, that's why he's Mr. <laughs> Devil. That's why he's special because father is what this guy is all about. He's a, he's a family guy. He's part of this devil's family for all these years. So you and your wife, Margaret, hear that there's going to be the first NHL game on the moon, but you're not allowed to bring any other family members. So you can't have your daughter, Taylor, or your son, Shane, you can't bring them. You can't bring any family members, <laughs> but you get two other tickets. So who are you and Margaret going to the NHL game on the moon together with our parents included? No, we can't go family. No family. Okay. No, no. we're digging a little deeper here. Ken. Wow. God, this is, and you got me on the spot here. This is a good one. I mean, I've, I've been asked who I would like to have dinner with, you know, or I always say Babe Ruth. So maybe I'll take Babe Ruth to a hockey team. I know. It's not, I didn't know if it had to be living. No, that's okay. That's fine. I'm yeah. a little old school guy. I love the game of baseball. I always thought Babe Ruth maybe would be, be a guy. Um, and um, I'll, I'll throw in Michael Jordan. You know, I always relate back to the sports guys possibly. Yeah. And then they probably – have no interest in hockey, but just if I'm hanging around, that's that's my two. Now, Margaret, uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe and and I would throw in there, I'd also be interested in like one of the presidents of the United States, maybe George, the first president of the United States, George Washington. I mean, how intriguing and cool would that be? Right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's um, as far you know who else I always say, and I and, and I'm just relating the only thing I can think of when you say who am I bring people that I'd want to be around or, or pick their brain. I always say Martina Navratilova. Mm. I loved her, men how tough she was, her mentality, how grave and happy she was. And she does wonderful things as well, uh, away from the court to now in her retirement. But uh, that's a that's a variety of people, right? But I'm relating it to the question I've been asked, who would I want to go to dinner with if I had a table of three or whatever it may be? My wife, I couldn't answer that. Her picks are probably different. Uh, two tickets on the moon. Hers are probably different choices than mine. I'm not 100%, but I can speak for myself. And so I threw out a few there, Doug. Sorry if I went kind of all over there, but that's a few names that I, and mine all relate to athletes for the most part. But yeah, I'll throw in a president there too. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. So just one last question is, think about the Devils playing the Blackhawks. And you mentioned at the, Beginning of the show, Dougie Hamilton, who uh, is an exciting player that's going to be on the Devils' defense now. What advice do you have for him starting with the Devils this year? 
just go out and be you. I mean, he's a bona fide, legitimate number one defender that the Devils have not had since the great Scott Niedemeyer and Stevens. We, you have to have a number one defenseman. He slots everybody better. I mean, that's where an area we've needed to improve for years. So go out and be Dougie Hamilton. He's thinks the game so well. He's six foot six. He's smooth as silk. He's an element we haven't had in a long time. Don't try to do too much. Just be yourself. And you've had all this success already in the National Hockey League. But be a leader. Help these young guys grow. And, and one thing, Dougie Hamilton, only talked to him once because I haven't been around the room as much lately I have been. But obviously, you let them do their thing in training camp. So I welcomed him to New Jersey. And I just said, you know, Dougie, he goes, he, he says, you know what? And he was very respectful because he knew who I was and just respectful of the past. And I appreciated that. But he, he said, these young guys are better than I thought. Like, and that was music to my ears. Like he didn't know what he was getting into. Yeah. Yeah. It's a business. And yeah, he got a, a, a huge contract, but he wanted to come here and he saw the potential in this team. And then, you know, he mentions to me, he goes, they're, they're more talented than I thought because until you're in practice every day with the guys and see what they're capable of and can do. And like I said, we might need a little more patience, but, and Dougie's going to be the glue on the back end. And now I think uh, you know, some of the other defensemen, like a young Ty Smith who's on the horizon, who's out tonight. we got some injuries already, which is disappointing, but they'll get back sooner than later. Damon Severson has been around a long time. Now some of the pressure's taken off of him, you know, because it's not easy to find top upper echelon defensemen. Dougie Hamilton's one of those guys. I'll throw Ryan Graves in there. Our penalty kill has to get better. He was a rock for the Colorado Avalanche, a really good hockey team over the last few seasons. and he's going to help tremendously as well. And some talented goalies this year too. Yeah, Blackwood's got to take the next step. He's out again for the opening night. Uh, MSG Plus, everybody, watch us uh, as we get the call started on 6.30 and then me and Kanji at 7 have the live call. But uh, uh, Bernier's going to insulate him. McKenzie's got to – is ailing a little bit. I think he's going to be ready in a few days. But So I'm – I haven't seen officially, but I think Jonathan Bernie, and that's why we signed him. He had a real good year on a on a team that was rebuilding in Detroit, considering uh, all the rubber he faced. So Bernie hopefully will be that guy that can insulate Blackwood so he can take the next step because I think he can be – he's shown flashes of brilliance. It's about consistency. I think he can be one of those, you know, top 10 type goaltenders in the National Hockey League if he continues his progression. We wish your wife, Margaret, your daughter, Taylor – and Shane, anybody that, that, that listens to WBGO knows how difficult it is to get into the Berkeley School of Music. Continued success with your family. Continued success as a broadcaster. And if anybody wants a reminder how good Ken Danica was, just go to Prudential Center and look up at the rafters. He's just one of five. And he is indeed Mr. Devil. And for the first time in this interview, I hope you can let me call you Dano. So I Thank love it. Uh, heartfelt thank you very much Doug is very kind to you it's it's surreal uh you know and I'll end with again my son Shane when he was eight years old and I my banner was hanging at Prudential I said you know I kind of uh you know didn't know if I belonged at times you know and then I say that humbly like I said you know man I can't believe that that honor was bestowed upon me and it's a special honor obviously Shane looked up he pointed to it as an eight-year-old and said that's our name up there, Dad. It still gives me a little bit of goosebumps and almost makes me tear. 
Because I, I looked him in the eye and I said, yeah, bud, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and nothing better than that to have your son say that to you. Number three does hang on the rafters. It's been there since March 24th of 2006 when the Devils retired his number. What a pleasure and good luck tonight as you start off the new NHL season with the Devils again. The great Ken Danico joining us here on Sports Jam. Thanks again. Thanks very much for having me, Doug. Really enjoyed the time with you. Sports Jam is a WBGO Studios production. You can check out all the podcasts by going to wbgo.org slash sportsjam or find Sports Jam with Doug Doyle on the NPR list of podcasts or on iTunes. Special thanks going out to Sammy Steinlight for getting us hooked up with Ken Danico. Until our next Sports Jam session, I'll see you at the game. You can check out all the WBGO Studio podcasts right now, like this one. On the latest edition of The Checkout, trumpeter Steph Richards created the world's first jazz scratch and sniff album. It revealed this emotional connection that maybe you weren't expecting. What does jazz smell like? Sniff along to the music with us, with me, Simon Rettner. Subscribe at WBGO.org and wherever you get your podcasts.